0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of our Ketosis Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Burr, content marketing editor here at Ketosis. Today, we're talking with Winnie Sun, who is the co-founder and managing director of Sun Group Wealth Partners. Hi, Winnie. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, Elliot. It's great to be here.
0: Awesome. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the Sun Group and your other endeavors?
1: Sure. So I have been a financial advisor now for almost nineteen years, and I started at Smith Barney, which is owned by Citigroup. And um, after that, I s- decided to start our own firm, which is now Sun Group World Partners, uh, which I founded uh, with a longtime friend and business partner, Brandon Chang, and. Now we are based in Southern California and we work with clients across the globe on their wealth management needs. Um, In addition to managing client assets and working with families and businesses, I also do quite a bit of work on television. So I am on the CNBC Financial Advisor Council. I'm the regular money person on Good Day LA, Los Angeles. And um, I've been a longtime contributor for Forbes as well. So it's really about uh, sharing Financial knowledge in a, in a nice friendly relatable way
0: that 's really cool and you 've just mentioned there about how much you contribute to you know a huge range of financial publications like CNBC and Forbes that you just mentioned there so how do you divide your focus up between so many different companies
1: well you know I think the, uh, the advantage here is that I am speaking and talking about the same thing at, at every uh, place that i 'm with so it 's that consistent message of financial awareness, financial independence, and most importantly, financial empowerment of being comfortable uh, in your own skin and not having money to find you, but having a very good sense of where your money is mm-hmm. and the purpose of that money and how you want to manage it going forward and having that really innate close relationship, regardless of audience. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you've definitely kind of really taken to, you know, giving things back to your audience. Um, and your content is really, really great across the web. Oh, thank so, you. <laughs> we have heard that you have run the Renegade Millionaire Show for five years on YouTube, which is great because mm-hmm. a lot of people haven't been leveraging YouTube as best as they can. And now you host your own podcast, the Winnie Sun podcast, mm-hmm. and post you know, regular thought pieces and all your social media cha- channels. Um, so within the wealth management sector, you're a huge you know influencer and we think that's a big deal for firms what advice would you have for companies or individuals that want to start up their own thought leadership channels
1: well i think that's a great question i think nowadays all companies regardless of industry should think about um creating content and and thought leadership because uh, we are all individual businesses and i always say if you're not out there on social media or on YouTube or any other platform talking about what it is that you do, then essentially you're really closed for business because the responsibility we have as business owners is to tell others what we do, how we do it and where they can find us. Mm -hmm. But if you don't exist on social media, you essentially don't exist at all because um, it's our responsibility to uh, let our, our future clients or future audience know that we are open for business and we want to work with them. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I find now it's really interesting because when I used to speak at these different financial conferences, you know, uh, lines of people would uh, sit there in the audience and, and, and line up and meet with me and say like, you know, I never even thought about doing this. It's just, you know, I just get clients from referral or seminars and whatnot. But now more and more people are, are saying, well, we want to learn. We want to know what you're doing. And in fact, I'm speaking at the next, uh, LPL has a large uh, financial conference called the Focus Conference, which is one of the largest financial conferences in the world. Mm-hmm. And I just found out that my session, which is about marketing and uh, utilizing social media to build out your business, was the first one to sell out and the wait list is sold out like within minutes. So it's great. It's, it shows that people are interested and in taking that next step to, to market their business.
0: That's really inter- a really interesting point, actually, about, you know, people just flooding in to learn more about social media. And you're, of mm-hmm. course, you know, a huge advocate of Twitter and you're part of the uh, FinTwit community. And we've talked about that with some of our past guests, including Courtney McQuaid, who you've hosted uh, or you've been at an event with Courtney for Citywire, we believe, recently. Right.
1: Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. I love Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. She worked with us well. We really love her. Um, and do you think then that all firms should have a presence on Twitter and all other forms of social media? And how could they best leverage these different platforms?
1: So, so I think that's an interesting question. I mean, Twitter is very unique in that way. I remember when I was first starting my social media journey, I started on LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. uh, someone who I value very much told me, Winnie, you should definitely utilize Twitter. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I said, well, you know, I don't know if I should use Twitter. Twitter's dead. Nobody I know really uses Twitter anymore. The the next generation isn't that interested in Twitter. So why should I be investing so much time? But for me, it worked out really well. Um, I've developed a a large audience there. But I don't think it's for everybody because I've talked to different business individuals and they always ask me, Wendy, which platform should I start at? And I always answer, well, it depends on where your clients reside at because mm-hmm. wherever your clients are, that's where their friends are and their communities are. And that's going to be your easiest way to transition from being known for what you do to bringing in that next ideal client. So it may not be Twitter. Um, Twitter just works out really well for me in terms of what I do at my business. but it doesn't mean that I'm not very active on LinkedIn or Facebook or the other platforms as well, because I am just in a different way. Mm-hmm.
0: If you were to rank uh, each of these platforms, which did you say are your favorites? <laughs>
1: oh, Elliot, yeah, that's like ranking my children. <laughs> <laughs> that just wouldn't be fair. But um, I think, you know, right now, I love them for different reasons. I think, you know, Twitter I love because I run the largest business tweet chat um, Mm -hmm. on there every Wednesday. So we average about 150 million impressions. So that obviously, I know Twitter really well. It's very easy for me. A lot of my uh, very close social media friends are there. Um, So obviously that's one of my favorites. LinkedIn I love because I was one of the first um, people who were granted beta access to LinkedIn Live. Um, And I do quite a bit of work with LinkedIn on the LinkedIn learning side, LinkedIn on job sites and, and LinkedIn on the uh, live video side. So I love my team, uh, my friends there. Um, mm. And then, you know, Facebook and Instagram, I think you can't discount just how powerful they are as well. Uh, for different reasons. I love the sort of the group, group factors there. And I get some of my best information um, from the the private groups and pages on Facebook and Goodness, who can't love Instagram? So <laughs> I love Instagram for personal reasons. So I think it's just so much fun. So I mean, we're looking at there's so many other platforms. There's like TikTok is coming, in, and then certainly mm. YouTube is big. And there's um, there's so many more platforms that uh, I think it's, at some point it's just going to be like <laughs> platform overload.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I think they you have some amazing stats there, and they definitely speak for themselves how successful these channels can be and people really need to use them properly, don't they? Mm -hmm. Definitely. On on this side as well, we've been asking our guests about personalization because we found in our digital marketing survey for asset managers that 62% of people thought that personalization was their key marketing priority this year. So what do you see as the top priority for financial marketers to best connect with their customers?
1: Oh, such a good question. I think, um, I've been doing now financial, I would say marketing for almost two decades. And I feel like I've done from cold calling to seminars, to speeches, to group events, to even the trade show booths, to social media and whatnot. And I think for me at this stage, what I'm really focused on is creating content that I enjoy that Mm -hmm. entertains not only myself, but my team. Um, because I think that when you enjoy it, you're excited about it, you're passionate about it, then it shows out in the content that you create. And the audience will naturally feel more of a related, a relatability ability and an affinity to, to more. Cause you're actually trying to, to show them something about yourself. So showing your personality certainly is a, is a wonderful thing. Um, because at the end of the day, we want to work with people that we enjoy and typically, like attracts like so you know it took me a long time to learn um it was a personal journey to try to figure out how to do that because at first i wanted to create content that would track me the ideal client now i don't do that so much anymore because we have a really large practice and it's about working and providing value to people that we are excited to be around and so and want to celebrate each and every day so like i want to like i have a client call like after our podcast today. And I can't wait to call him. And that's really, that's really the key. So wherever that, um, whatever content you think would delight yourself is the content you should create. So whether it be written articles or social media posts or videos or podcasts or YouTube videos, whatever it may be that makes you excited. That's what you should think about creating.
0: I think that's yeah, a really, really good point. Just about being passionate about your content and following on from this is the kind of real, crunch question that we've been asking people do you feel in terms of relating to content marketing that there should be a focus on quality rather than quantity
1: oh 1000 yes um absolutely if you take a look at my content for example um we you know i i appear on cheddar and uh, cnbc and different uh, big financial national outlets quite regularly and mm. one of the the biggest um compliments they could give my team and I is to say that wow you know when we Skype you in or when we see your content it is the best Skype setup we've ever seen the best lighting the best everything I can't believe it. We definitely want to have you on again. And I think that that's for us is a big deal. I see a lot of times I'll go to different social media conferences, I'll speak at them, and there's some amazing creators that can create great content on their smartphones or even iPads. But for for us, in, at least at Sun Group, we feel that our clients enjoy um, seeing really high-quality content. And we found that to be the case. Like we feel that uh, our content now is designed to not only uh, reside well on digital platforms but could reside very well on network television traditional Mm -hmm. television and so at least for us that's the big thing that's not to say that everybody needs to be at that level we've just chosen that for ourselves and we feel really proud of the work that we create because of that
0: that's awesome like you've really nail nailing the kind of the digital side of talking about finance and that's something that we just want to look into a little bit more here you've already mentioned that at CNBC, you work on their Digital Financial Advisor Council. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that regard, what tech trends do you see affecting the wealth management industry going forward? And what are the best examples of digital experiences you've come across?
1: Oh, such a good question. I think, you know, the financial industry has has gone a lot, has certainly evolved a lot, but I think there's a lot more opportunity ahead of us, which I'm super excited about. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be those struggles with regulatory issues and our compliance handcuffs. That's something I don't think will ever go away. And I think that's okay. We just now, I almost see it, our our organization as being financial advisors, but creative, create content creators at the same time, mm-hmm. trying to create content, weaving around um, what we can and cannot do, and still uh, resonate to not only uh, our current clients, but their children and the next generation. Mm-hmm. So, I think, you know, I think robo uh, advising has gone a long way. I think it needs to be more. I think AI is super, AI AR is going to be super exciting to see where that will be. Certainly, I think the offices, uh, the traditional offices, the traditional, um, you know, hours of Having our client calls and meeting with clients, that's all going to go. We need to evolve. We're going to have to see our clients, uh, we're going to have to communicate with our clients the way they want to, either drug message or texting or whatever else. Um, mm-hmm. There is there's so much opportunity I think the future is really going to be fun to see how that takes place, but I even look at my children, who my oldest is now a Gen Zer is not going to want to do business the way that we've been accustomed to doing business. And that's okay. And that's going to be exciting to see how that changes. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a really, really great point. Actually. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, the difference between traditional methods and, you know, mm-hmm. the way that the industry is going forward, is going to change rapidly in the next few years mm-hmm. and sticking with these kind of traditional ideas. Do you feel that events and sponsorship still plays as big a role as it used to in the financial industry?
1: I think so with a caveat. I think Mm. financial conferences and events are important because it gets us in a room together, which Mm. oftentimes we get too comfortable sitting in our own remote offices, just doing our own thing. And a lot of learning happens when you're sitting and seeing each other. However, that being said, I think that can't be the end all do all. I think it has to be, sort of a a journey you need to start these relationships online where it's efficient communication has to happen quickly learning and growth has to happen by the day by the minute and not just when we meet once a year together and then from there we build those relationships have a reason to support one another um, and make it really organic and honest and really just a positive environment I know like when I used to work at a large um, financial services broker-dealer it wasn't a very healthy uh, relationship. Now, a lot of us, especially in the independent space, have very healthy relationships at the office with our families, life is really good. Mm-hmm. And then um, we can, we, but we still need to have other expertise in our industry work together. So from there we can segue to those, you know, those large events. So the large events are so important, but we need to have those in, intimate, like one-on-one discussions or small round table um events i think it can't just be online conferences online conferences are fun but we still (laughs) need that we need both yeah both are equally important
0: yeah i think that's a really really good point and it segues into our final uh question that we've been asking everyone on our podcast about the communities that we've all created for ourselves who do you follow for inspiration um and this could be anyone at all online or an author or other financial writer um, do you have any recommendations for our listeners on implements that best impacted your work?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, for many, many years, uh, there weren't a lot of big, um, financial companies that had presence on social media. So mm. much. What I learned was from people outside of our industry. And there's certainly some amazing people. Like some of the people that you followed initially and learned a lot from in the beginning were people like Mari Smith, who Facebook, um, Gary Vee, who everybody knows these days, um, Marie folio because she does these great business programs for women. And um, yeah, I'm always looking for people who I feel are just working so hard creating content uh, that's shareable. Now I learned some great skills on YouTube from um, like one of my best friends, my Chen from Strickly Dumpling, Roberto Blake, who's, who's like the king of YouTube education, and my friends at LinkedIn. So I think... You, you just got to go and follow people to, who resonate with you. And I would challenge you uh, not to do cookie cutter. Because mm-hmm. cookie cutter is an easy way out. And whenever you can write a check, that's always easier way and cheaper way. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be fruitful for you, especially if you're serious about marketing. And if you're not, I know a lot of financial advisors that I speak with always say, well, this is not something that I'm excited about. And you don't have to be. I have a business partner who's younger, who's smarter, who's better looking, who just doesn't, you know, isn't interested in marketing. And the nice thing about it is he teamed up with me, who is someone who absolutely loves it. So find someone who loves it, understand your industry and go out and and just try and see what you can come up with.
0: That's awesome. That is a great final note for all our listeners. Winnie, (laughs) it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks
1: so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much, Ellie, for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you.